0: Studio Erbo and Bonfire Press present Essence House by Eric J. Cockrell and Chuck Pino. Edited by Wendy Gale. Read by Michael Goodrick. Chapter 1. Old Acquaintance Be Forgot. January 1st, 2020. It's about time! The winter's chill brought a shiver to Timothy Edmund as he stood there, hands blocking the dueling glare from the sun and snow, gazing on the property that he'd been tasked with managing. Starting a new job on your birthday was bad enough, but add in the dry mouth and slight headache of a hangover, and you've added injury to insult. He took a swig from his bottle of water with a grimace. It was still shocking to him to find that the Essence House no longer stood on its posh corner in Sands Point, New York, where once stood a large can only be called Eclectic Manor, had been replaced by a sprawling, high-end strip mall. He had never been asked his opinion on matters of the house, but that wasn't unusual. Uncle Rick was in charge, and the family had distanced themselves from the house over the last couple decades. Sometime in the 1990s, it was boarded up and left to the elements, until five years ago, when, overnight, his uncle had a construction crew come through and level it. Property in the area was incredibly valuable, and the old manor was not the least bit productive for the family's portfolio. It was decided a strip mall would be a better use for the lot, and so that's what it became. The Essence Corners, as it was called, was seven standard sized shops with an L shaped plaza. The parking lot stretched out before it was large as to allow for Maserati and Porsche owners an appropriate amount of space between cars without the bother of parking a mile from the building. At the time of Timothy's arrival, five of the seven lots in the complex were occupied. One mattress store, a mobile technology store, a consignment store, and two trendy upscale clothing stores with a focus on ladies, and in one case, specifically, debutantes. "'I said it's about time. You the new guy the landlord sent?' said the tall, well-dressed gentleman across the lot as he unlocked the doors to his clothing store. What's it to you? replied Tim. Tim's not usually so cold. On the contrary, Tim is usually a quite friendly fellow, but the combined woes of hangover and work didn't make him particularly interested in chit-chat this morning. His uncle gets really pushy about the family property as the holidays approach, and today was his deadline to get Tim in line as the property manager. He'd much rather be back in Chicago, where his sister was in labor with what would be his umpteenth niece. He didn't think of them as dismissively as that sounds. His family is just huge, and he shares a lot of birthdays. He envied people with summer birthdays. January 1st is so cold, and within a week of the biggest holiday of the year. That hardly gives much to look forward to the rest of the year, though it had been a long time since Tim looked forward to anything anyways. So Tim couldn't really care less as he approached the man he at the very least, offered a handshake. The gesture was not returned, leaving an awkward hanging hand. Toilet stuck and my clientele does not understand such foolishness as out of order. When might I expect it to be fixed? I'll call it in as soon as I get back to the shed, Tim responded, and turned sharply, walking away to avoid further conversation. The shed sat behind a strip mall. It wasn't much. It looked nice enough, as the town would not be pleased with an eyesore, but it wasn't especially big. As Tim approached it, he noticed the door was slightly ajar. He didn't remember leaving it open. His uncle was rather adamant about keeping it closed, and even insisted that it remained locked whenever possible. Actually, his uncle had many concerns regarding the care of this unassuming structure. Tim reached for the handle and the door flung open a guy dressed in a dark hoodie and some jeans sprung through the doorway. He plowed through Tim, knocking him into the hardened dirt. He glanced back with a terrified look on his face, particularly his eyes. They didn't match the face they sat upon. They were exhausted and had clearly been mourning. The figure skidded on the dirt, stumbled a bit, readjusted and took off across the lawn. Tim stood up, dusted himself off and thought to himself, Do I even care enough to go after him?" He didn't, but he threw the padlock on the door and did it anyways. With a significant head start, the intruder was a good 1,200 feet ahead of him. There wasn't much around, so Tim had no idea where he even came from. There wasn't a getaway car, and if he was a petty thief, he'd have been wiser to rob one of the snobby stores in the plaza than a tool shed. It became clear pretty quick that he was not going to have much luck catching this culprit. He could barely even see the kid anymore. Tim stopped at a tree that lined the perfectly landscaped street and tried to catch his breath. It didn't appear the kid had anything with him, so it wasn't likely he took anything. Maybe this would be a good lesson on the need to lock the door. As Tim arrived back on the property, he was once again greeted by the well-groomed, tall shop owner that did not shake hands. "'Excuse me, do we have an estimated time of arrival of a plumbing professional?' It's on a schedule. Just hang tight. I'll get you an update, Tim replied. Exhausted, Tim headed back to his truck to grab his cell phone and call a plumber. He grabbed his phone from underneath a road atlas on the dashboard of his truck. Three missed calls from unknown caller. Almost certainly not somebody he wanted to deal with today. Debt collectors don't get to take off the first of the year? He slammed the door, turned, and began walking back to the shed. Just as he neared the small structure, he noticed a leather wallet lying on the ground. Tim slid his phone back into his pocket and reached down and picked up the wallet. As he started to unfold it to look inside, his phone began to ring. It was Uncle Rick. Yeah, Rick, what can I do for you? It's Uncle Rick. Show us some respect, Uncle Rick replied, his voice trailing to what basically amounted to a whisper at the end. I told him. Tim stopped to remember... How weird Uncle Rick was the last time he saw him. He had always been the spry younger brother of his father, but the last time they met up, he seemed off, and he had taken to walking with a cane. Tim assumed it had something to do with a stroke or physical condition, but on the phone, it appeared things had deteriorated perhaps dementia or something. Who knows, but it did make him as much sad as it did frustrated. Earn it first, Rick. What do you want? I'm a little busy here. I've got a tenant that can't flush his toilet, and some guy broke into the maintenance shed. What guy? Uncle Rick asked, voice filled with worry. He continued whispering to himself, He found it! And returning to full volume, Is everything okay with the shed? Did you- Uncle Rick, don't worry. I think everything's okay with your precious shed. Hang on, I'll tell you. I've got his wallet. Tim opened the wallet and pulled out the driver's license. It revealed a familiar name. Tristan Edmund, born January 1st, 1988. It was Tristan, Rick. What the hell is your son doing around here? God damn it. I told that kid there was no point in returning, Rick exclaimed, once again whispering, I swear I told him, and again raising his voice. Where'd he go, Tim? Is he still around there? Tim leaned up against the shed. No, he got away from me and ran off down the street. I didn't see where he got to. Shit, Tim. That kid is troubled. I'm going to fly out there and tend to him. Can you see about rounding him up in the meantime? He needs to keep away. Again, Uncle Rick trailed his voice. Jesus, Rick, I've got enough work to do. I'm not interested in being your babysitter. It's family, Tim. I don't expect that to mean much to you. You haven't been involved in a long time, but to some of us, that's all there is. Tim knew he was going to regret it, but he headed back toward the truck. Fine, I'll find him but you get out here and handle this. Tim hung up his phone and tossed it on the dashboard as he started the vehicle. He pulled down the dirt access road and around the strip mall. Damn, I'll it, Tim thought. How is the man that squandered so much of what the family had going to talk to me about family? The truck turned around the corner and into the parking lot. Tim glanced over, avoiding eye contact with his tenant with the plumbing issues. Well, this day's gone to Shit. He paused a moment and chuckled as he turned onto the main road. Shit. Plumbing. Even pissed off, you've still got it, Tim. The road is a simple two-lane road with trees lining it. There really weren't many places to go. Had Tim kept running, he'd probably have caught up with Tristan. That he stopped was a testament to how much he really cared about his job and getting work done. He knew Tristan when they were kids. They were babysat on the family property. Much of his early years were a blur, and Tim's recollection of his family was sketchy at best. Besides his immediate family, the only other family member he knew really well was his grandfather. Maybe Uncle Rick was right. Maybe he wasn't a great family member. Tristan was a bright kid. He recalled being bested in chess by him several times. Some old-fashioned board games and -and hide-and-go-seek were the best options for play at the Essence House. Tim was approaching town. Much like the strip mall that his family owned, the town was hoity-toity, filled with rich snobs. Tristan should stick out like a sore thumb. Tim pulled the truck into a small parking lot behind the main drag of town and parked. He turned off the ignition and grabbed his cell phone from the dash, sticking it in his pocket as he exited the vehicle. He slammed the door and headed toward the sidewalk. Upon first inspection, he was not on the main strip of town. Having no idea what was going on with Tristan... There weren't many ways to distinguish where he may have vanished to. If he was upset, he could have been sucked into a bar. Rick had mentioned he was troubled. Could that mean drugs? Some kind of mental issues? Just a jerk? Who knows? Tim decided to go door to door. The first shop was a dress shop. This wasn't a likely option, but what the hell was a likely option anyway? He entered and a bell rang. Can I help you? came a voice from the back. An older lady stepped out. She was a fairly proper Caucasian lady with perfect posture and a generally elegant look. "'Hi, ma'am. I'm looking for my cousin. We believe he may have been in town recently. Would you mind taking a look at his picture and letting me know if you've seen him?' "'Certainly. I do hope he's all right,' she offered. "'He'll be fine.' Tim pulled out the driver's license and handed it to her. "'Can't say I've seen him, but if he's an Edmund boy,' "'No doubt he's in trouble,' she said in a condescending tone. "'I'm an Edmund boy, lady. "'I should take some offense to that, but I suspect you're not wrong.' "'With that, Tim turned around and exited the store. "'He once again took a look down the street both ways. "'The street was lined with shops, "'and the town was filled with buildings and alleys and parks. "'It's not a big town by any means, "'but big is very relative when you're searching building by building.' At least, soon enough, Uncle Rick will be there to take over the search, so Tim could get back to his job. Tim pivoted left and headed toward the next door. It was a tailor. He expected this would result in a similar experience. As he opened the door, he could tell this shop had been around for quite some time. The walls were lined with pictures that showed the generations that had been spent in this town. A shorter, elderly gentleman sprang from the back with measuring tape draping his shoulders like a scarf, and various pins stuck through the sleeve of his brown jacket. Tim held back his surprise as he had been engrossed in the various photos. "'How may I assist you today? Barnabas Krimke at your service,' said the old man. "'Hi. I'll get out of your hair quickly. I'm just hoping you could take a look at a photo and tell me if you've seen my cousin. He's gone missing.' Tim withdrew the card from his pocket. "'Why, certainly.' The old man plucked the driver's license from Tim's hand. Edmund, eh? I knew his grandfather, Roland. Yeah, Gramps was a popular guy. Most of my family kept to themselves, but Gramps loved to get out and about. We used to travel frequently to fairs and rallies, and anywhere he thought he could teach us a lesson. I do miss him quite a bit. This was the first time all day Tim had a warm feeling about family. He relished in it for a moment. "'Hogwash! I knew your grandfather quite well before he passed. That was back in 72. You wouldn't even have been born yet,' Barnabas said with a tone filled with doubt. "'Let me get a good look at your cousin and get you on your way.' He studied the license closely. "'Can't say I've seen the boy, but I do wish your family luck.' Tim stared at the man with narrowed eyes. Barnabas's words about his grandfather's passing echoed in his head. As much as Tim didn't remember his grandfather's passing, he did remember his grandfather quite vividly. I remember my grandfather quite well. You must be thinking of someone else, Tim stated. It happened about a decade before you were even born, son, replied Barnabas. Tim mentally shook his head. This Barnabas guy didn't even know when he was born. This was the first time they'd met. The crazy old coot. Wouldn't be helpful finding his cousin if he couldn't even remember the years properly. Determined to continue on, he ended the conversation with a polite, Thanks for everything, sir, and headed on his way. Once again, Tim headed toward the street. What am I even doing here? Tim thought. I could be doing this all night. It was then that Tim thought of his sister. He hadn't heard anything since he got the call the night before that her water had broken and she was entering labor. He wished he'd been able to fly out to see her. Who starts a job on New Year's Day after all? It's different when it's the family business, he supposed. He pulled out his phone. Flicking and tapping the screen a few times, he scrolled to his sister's name. A familiar voice behind him forced him to lift his head in response. Excuse me, Edmund boy. Barnabas, the old dude who couldn't remember when his own friends had died, was trying to get Tim's attention. Tim rolled his eyes and turned. If there was anything he'd like to be able to do on this day, it'd be to complete any single thing he started. Barnabas, right? What's up? Tim answered. You forgot this. Barnabas handed the driver's license back to Tim. Oh, thanks. Tim slipped it back into his pocket along with his phone. Barnabas stood there for a moment, then placed his hand on Tim's right shoulder. I hope I didn't upset you earlier. Your grandfather was a wonderful man. And if you were able to experience that through stories or whatnot, I am not inclined to discount that. I'll keep an eye out for your cousin. Best of luck once again. Hey, thanks, Barnabas. He'll turn up, Tim told him. Poor, dementia-ridden bastard, he thought to himself. This whole ordeal was feeling a little fruitless, and quite frankly, it was getting pretty cold. So Tim decided to head back to the car and just get back to work. The kid will show back up when he needs his driver's license. Tim got to the truck, once again tossed his phone onto the dash and headed back to the property. As Tim drove down the long road back to Essence Corners, he felt his eyelids gaining weight. This morning's events had worn him down pretty well. He saw some movement along the road in his peripheral vision that his mind couldn't place. He turned and looked, but there was nothing. As he continued, this happened a time or two again. Tim shook his head, dismissing it as the delusions of a man who probably shouldn't have rung in the New Year as hard as he had. It was the closest to a birthday party he would get, though, so it was what it was. As Tim got closer to the property, these occurrences seemed stronger. They were less a peripheral glimpse, but more like ghostly illusions. As he drove past Essence Corners, he saw a couple of young ladies standing in front of Forever Young, the women's debutante apparel store. They were peering through the window rather suspiciously. Tim drove up to the two and rolled down his window. Everything okay, ladies? he inquired. They both turned and one, a petite brunette with a penchant for heavy concealer, pointed into the shop. We showed up to drop off the dresses we rented for last night, but the store is closed, and the lady behind the counter looks like she's having a stroke or something. Tim rushed to the door, pressed his face against the tinted glass, and cupped his hands above his eyes so he could see easier. Beneath him hung the clothes sign. He could see the woman who most likely ran the store, standing still, shaking slightly, eyes wide open and body stiff. Tim grabbed the door and fished for his keys, but found it to be unlocked to his shock. Stay here, he said to the girls as he dashed in. He approached the woman who stood behind her counter. The cash register closed. Her cell phone held up in front of her. "'Ma'am, are you okay?' he asked, waving a hand in front of her face. She was unresponsive, but he could see the glow of her phone lighting her face in the relative darkness of the store. He looked down to see if she had received some sort of shocking message that might have driven her into her catatonic state. She had gotten a message from someone simply known as EGB that said, "'It starts tomorrow. Be on your guard and watch them closely.'" Grasping her hand to try to feel for a pulse, the woman exhaled loudly and Tim felt a rush of wind overtake him. He felt himself paralyzed for a moment until the woman pushed out his grasp and reached for something under the counter. I don't know what kind of New Year's shenanigans you're up to, mister, but if you want to see 2020, you'll step away from the register and walk out of my store. Tim could see that she was reaching for a pistol. He raised his hands and stepped back quickly. Whoa, no! No! That's not what's happening here at all. I'm the new property manager here, and it looked like you were in a catatonic state or something. Those girls called me over to help because they were worried about you. He pointed to the young ladies outside, who were still watching through the thick, dark panes of glass. Timothy Edmund? I thought you don't start until the first. Tim was too taken aback by the situation to notice that she knew him without any sort of introduction. Why don't you take a seat and I'll call someone to help us out, all right? I think you might have had a stroke or something. He quickly called 911 and explained what had happened, while the woman stammered and tried to recollect what had happened. The ambulance showed up within ten minutes and she was loaded inside, all the while trying to explain that she was, in fact, just fine. Taking a key from his huge key ring, he locked up Forever Young and strode over to his truck, which he had pulled into a nearby parking lot while waiting for the ambulance to arrive. It wasn't even noon yet and... Look what had happened already. Tim pulled his truck through the lot and rounded the building. He needed to call a plumber, lock the shed, call his uncle back, and get back to his motel to get some rest. What a shitty start to the year, Tim sighed. Theme music by Carol Cockrell. Hey, this is Eric Cockrell. And Chuck Pino. The creators of Essence House. We're really excited that you took the time to listen and hope that you enjoyed it. We'd love your support on Patreon. $2 gets you two episodes a month, along with bonus commentary and our monthly chat show. Visit EssenceHouseStory.com and seriously, Thank you so much for checking out our series. We're really excited about it.